Uh, good evening, everyone. Thank you, Paul and Adam, Marcus, Naomi, Johnny, Glenn, Alison, and James and Mark at the back as well. I do really appreciate just the way and all the, those who have served us in different ways, how so many people do serve us here on a regular basis. So thank you to everyone. God notices even or when no one else does. God sees the simple and secret act of kindness. He sees the gentle answer, the gracious smile, the affirming look, the helpful word. God notices the generous offer. Nothing is too little to escape his attention and his observation. And even if no one else notices, or even one or two see it, those who receive it, God sees it. And on the flip side, God also observes the not-so-good stuff, the unkind words, and the harsh response, the negative attitude, and the critical spirit, and the loss of temper, and the nasty comment. But however we speak, however we behave, however we live, God notices. And as you reflect Back over the past 24 hours, maybe the past week, how do you feel about that thought? Are there some things you're glad God saw and some things you wish he hadn't? And I know that for some people, this idea that that God sees everything even if no one else does, that's a positive thought. Whereas... For others, it's an unsettling, it's an uncomfortable idea. But either way, it's a reality. Proverbs 15.3 says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place. And in Hebrews 4.13, we come across one of those verses that kind of stops you in your tracks. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and are open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. God notices, God sees, God observes. And the story and the incident that we're, we're going to read from Luke's gospel in a moment, it actually reveals that truth to us. It's been quite a few weeks now since our our last installment in the Revealed series, and this is a series for anybody who's visited or is unfamiliar with it. This is a series that has been looking at certain events and comments and episodes in the life and teaching of Jesus in order to discover more about the character of God, the heart of the Father. Because according to the Apostle John, no one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, he has made the Father known. He has made God known. Jesus reveals the Father to us. Jesus himself said that if if anyone has seen me, you've seen the Father. And anything that Jesus said, he told us the Father had instructed him to say. And therefore, by looking at what Jesus did and said on numerous occasions as recorded in the Gospels, we can learn more about the nature and the character of God. Yes, God is revealed to us. 
Not just in and through creation, but he, and he is. Not just in and through scripture, and he is. But ultimately, in and through Jesus. And so we have been uh, looking at a bunch of incidents in the life of Jesus in order to discover more and to deepen our understanding of God, which will hopefully then intensify our worship because the more we know God, the more we fall in love with who God is, then the deeper and greater our worship will be. We will love God, as Paul prayed out, with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind, as well as love our neighbor as ourselves. Well, tonight's incident is found in Luke 21. If you want to turn to it, it's page 1056 in the Pew Bibles. It's a really brief incident. It's pretty well known. It's often referred to as the widow's offering or the widow's mate. Or to be more accurate, the widow's two mates. And this lady is another one of the unsung heroes of the Christian faith. We don't know her name. No idea what she's called. We only meet her once. We don't know much about her apart from the fact that she's lost her husband and she's dirt poor. She doesn't speak a word, doesn't say a thing. And yet her brief appearance on the world stage in the unfolding drama, which is the final week in the life of Jesus, it's noted, it's recorded. And as a result, this unnamed woman goes down in history as someone who played her part in the, in the purposes and in the revelation of God. Now we are going to touch, and expect us to if we looked at this incident, we are going to touch on the subject of financial giving. It would be kind of hard and stupid and bizarre not to in light of this incident, but, but I do want to zoom out actually, and I want to make it about more than that, not, not just because we've recently finished a Sunday morning series all about giving called Money Talks but also because I think there is more to note, there's more to consider, there's more to recognize than simply incredible generosity, although there is nothing simple about incredible generosity. And so let's, let's read her story. But as we do that, I think it's really important we start a little further back. So if you have your Bible open, turn back to Luke chapter 20, just the previous chapter. Look at the last three verses. Because you see, the incident with the widow flows from these verses. There's a clear connection, as we'll see in a moment. And so at the end of, of chapter 20, you get this sense, and we all know this, those, those of you who know God's word, and you, and you know the last week in the life of Jesus, but you'll know that Jesus, during the latter part of his life, had a number of run-ins with various people. Those run-ins are recorded in, in Luke 19 and Luke 20, but the people that he had a particular run-in with were the religious set, the scribes, the chief priests, the Sadducees, the Pharisees. And here at the end of, of Luke chapter 20, Jesus issues a stark warning to anyone who is within earshot regarding these teachers of the law, who think they're right, who, who reckon they've got it all together, who believe that they are godly. But listen carefully to what Jesus says to all those who are within earshot. He says, beware of the teacher's of the law. And then what he does is he identifies six characteristics of these people. Read on with me. It says they like to walk around in flowing robes. In other words, they like to look the part. Image is everything. 
They like to be greeted in the marketplace. They're people who like to be recognized. And they probably like to be addressed by their full titles. They like, it says, to have the most important seats in the synagogue. They're the ones who like the platform. They like the spotlight. They like the attention. They like to be seen. Jesus goes on. They like to have the best seats at the dinner table. They like the place of honor. They like to sit in the front row. They like the prime position. Probably they love to go to dinner parties where they sit right next to the host. Best seats in the house. Then the fifth thing Jesus says about them, they devour widows' houses. They cheat the vulnerable. They exploit them out of their property, out of their resources. And then says Jesus, sixthly, they pray long prayers for show. They love to impress people. And just to finish this kind of damning description, Jesus adds, look at the, look at the text, Jesus adds, these men will be punished most severely. They may be strutting around thinking they're above everyone else, they're above reproach, but you know something, says Jesus, they're heading for disaster. And so although they think they're impressive, they think they're impressive to other people, they think they're impressive to God, the fact is that God sees beyond. God notices what maybe nobody else notices. God sees what's really going on. God sees the pride. God sees the greed. God sees the hypocrisy. And why? Why? Because as the Bible explicitly teaches us, we may look on the outward appearance. We may want to impress people by our outward appearance, but you know something? God looks at the heart. God looks at the heart, and the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. And because God notices, because God sees, because to quote Hebrews 4 again, all things are naked and are open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Jesus says, do you know something? See these teachers of the law? They will face extreme consequences. And so beware of them. Don't be fooled by them. Don't be taken in by them. They may look the part they may even sound the part, but beware of them. And then it says, and now you need to go to chapter 21, because the first thing it says is, as Jesus looks up. So this is connected. This flows. And as Jesus looks up, it says he notices something and someone else. And the contrast between the people that he's just been warning everyone about and this individual person, the contrast is striking. The pride, the greed, the hypocrisy that Jesus has exposed and condemned in the lives of the teachers are now set against, and they are immediately set against the humility, the generosity and the sincerity that he observes in the heart of this poor widow. And I don't believe for one moment that that's an accident or it's coincidental. These two incidents connect, they flow. The difference between them and her 
is so important to note. And so Jesus draws attention to her. She wasn't looking for attention. No chance. We're not even sure she ever realized she received any attention. But that doesn't matter. Because having warned people to be on their guard against a bunch of hypocrites, Jesus now turns and focuses on someone who is the real deal. Someone who's the real deal. Someone who is genuine. Someone who is authentic. And let's read her story. It's short. Will we stand? Yeah, let's stand. Any reading of God's worth is worth standing for. As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. Grab a seat again. According to history and tradition, there were 13 trumpet-shaped containers or collection boxes in, in the area of the temple where people brought and gave their monetary gifts and offerings. And apparently each one of those 13 trumpet-shaped containers had a different letter on them designating where the contents of that particular container will go, the kind of separate causes, the various funds. And Jesus watched as people gave. And he took note of their actions in this place of worship. But what's fascinating is that the Jesus clearly knew exactly how much each person was given. Now, I know it only refers to the specific amount that the widow threw in, but Jesus must have had some idea of the amount of cash that the rich were giving because he was able to say they gave out of their wealth. He knew how much they were given. He knew they hadn't given everything. So he knew exactly what everyone was given. He noticed. And I know there's a supernatural dimension to this because there is no way that Jesus was standing right beside every trumpet-shaped container physically counting or adding up what people were giving. He would have been too far away anyway to have done that physically, naturally. But somehow Jesus knew. And again, and I don't necessarily want to make too much of this point, but it seems to me that this stands as another reminder that when we come to a place of worship and a service like this is one of those places that you see Jesus sees what we bring. Jesus sees what we give. Now I don't just mean in financial terms. Jesus notices our offering of worship. He sees our hearts tonight. He sees our engagement. But alongside the rich and their gifts, Jesus does also see this, this poor widow and her gift. He says it consists of two very small copper coins or two mates if you're using a King James or a new King James version. And it says as Jesus does the sums, he comes out with an initial phrase and statement which at face value just does not make any sense whatsoever. It's blatantly wrong, Jesus. It's daft. Because he says, truly, I tell you, this widow has put in more than all the others. Now, whether that means 
than all the others combined, or whether it simply means more than any other one person. That's a moot point. But obviously Jesus has made a mistake. There's no way that two mates are more than the gifts of the rich. Any of the gifts of the rich, even the smallest of the gifts of the rich. But it's what, say, what Jesus says next that alters the landscape. It's how he finishes that sentence that reveals that he sees much deeper within through the way things appear. Because Jesus knows and he's able to reveal that all these people, the rich, they were given gifts out of their wealth, out of their abundance. But she, she out of her poverty. Because she put in all that she had to live on. You see, she gave her substance, not from her excess. It wasn't even that she gave the last of what she had. The fact is, she gave the best of what she had to give. She gave her substance, not from her excess. It wasn't even that she gave the last of what she had. The fact is, she gave the best of what she had to give. Jesus wasn't so much struck, I don't think, by the act of giving as he was by the attitude behind it. You see, giving is one thing, but giving with the right attitude and the right motive, well, that's a completely different other thing. And what Jesus saw in this unnamed widow, this unnoticed saint, at least unnoticed by everyone else, what Jesus saw was an attitude of generosity and sacrifice. Generosity and sacrifice. And these are two of the key qualities and characteristics of true discipleship, of the real deal. Jesus saw beyond the act of giving to the heart of the matter, which is the matter of the heart. There was no pride in what she was doing. There was certainly no greed in any shape or form. And there was absolutely no hypocrisy. Here, now in plain sight, because she'd been identified by Jesus, otherwise she would have remained under everybody else's radar. But here is a person in complete and sharp contrast to the teachers of the law. Here is a person of humility and generosity and sincerity. And I'm not so sure Jesus draws attention to this woman in order to say that we must always give away everything we have every time and constantly live with nothing in our pockets or in our bank accounts. I don't believe that. But I do believe that Jesus sets this widow up, this poor widow up. He holds her up as an example of true Christian discipleship, which is marked and characterized by profound generosity and sacrificial giving. And part of the reason why these are marks of genuine godliness is because they reflect the heart of God. Because you see, God is generous to a fault. 
God never stops giving. Plus, God has sacrificially given everything to us and for us. One of Jesus' infamous comments to the teachers of the law on another occasion went something like this. People look at you and think you're saints, but beneath the skin you're total frauds. On the outside you're like whitewashed tombs. On the inside you're rotten. You're a mess. See, the heart of the matter It's the matter of the heart. It's the condition, it's the state of in here that counts. It's the state of in here, it's the condition of in here that God sees, that God notices, that God observes. And during his final week before his sacrificial death, Jesus notices a widow whose heart is bursting with open-handed generosity. He notices a widow who's willing to give everything to God and willing to sacrifice everything for God. And Jesus does not want his first nor his 21st century disciples to miss that or to miss out. And so as we accept that God does notice He sees our attitudes as well as our actions. As God searches much deeper through the way things appear, as he looks into our hearts this evening, the question is, what does he notice? What does he see in my heart tonight? And in these quiet moments, I want to invite and encourage each of us to echo a brave prayer. It's a biblical prayer. It's taken from the most perfect book of prayer, from the Psalms. It's a simple prayer, it's short, but it's brave. Search me, O God, and know my heart. And as we come to a close this evening, I just want to play that song by Catherine Scott. We're familiar with it. It just lasts about four minutes. Search me, try me, and see. Know me. And I just invite you as we listen to these words to just pray this prayer, recognizing that, that God notices, God sees. I was looking for hearts that are generous, that are sacrificial, that are true. Let's pray.